ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, you can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Wonders to behold. 
And you know what's really one of the things I love about the Lord is even in his judgment of his people, and, you know, let's not get deceived here, friends, by these doctrines of devils that are embraced within so many churches across this land, you know, that we've got this uh, ticket to heaven, we just punch it, and we get out of jail free, and, and we can we can sin and compromise without consequence, because Jesus died for our sins, after all. And uh, that's just one more lie, you know. The cry of liberty in this hour is nothing more than the hiss of the serpent. You know, the liberty to sin is not freedom, it's slavery. And the wages of sin are still death. And payday is coming. But in God's own house, where judgment first begins, the Lord, who is so rich in mercy, even when he enters into judgment with his own people, he does so in order to turn them back to righteousness. You know, it's a judgment that is measured. He, he says in the scripture, I did not punish you as you deserved. I only punished you in part. God's only judging us in part for the foolish things we've done. We're, you know, we're reaping the harvest we sowed. We were told God is not mocked. You will reap what you've sowed. And um, the day of the reaper is coming. We're going to talk about the reaper today. I've got some things I want to share from Holy Scripture because, you know, the Word of God is the truth. And we live in an hour when many false prophets will come forth. I mean, they're all over the place. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. Many false Christs. And the word Christ means anointed one. Many false anointings. You know, he's in the desert. No, don't go there. He's in Toronto. Uh, no, no, don't go there either. He's in Pensacola. No. He's at that, uh, that tattoo man's place. No. He's still inside the holy place. He beckons us to find him in the holy place. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But God's judgment is coming, and it begins in the household of God. The Lord begins the judgment in his own house, his own temple. It starts when the Lord stands up to judge the earth. And as he walks out of the holy place, he walks out of his sanctuary, he walks right into the inner court, the place where the anointed servants of the Lord gather. And that's where the judgment begins in the lives of the ones who've been chosen to walk within the inner court. His leaders, his anointed, he's coming to judge the sin, to purge it out of his people and to make them ready for the wedding feast. And once he's done cleaning the inner court of his house, he's going to walk into the outer court. He's going to turn over the tables of the money changers yet again. 
He's going to make that whip out of three cords. He's going to drive the merchants out of his house. His house is going to become a house of prayer again. It's not going to be a house of profit. You know, make an offering and get a little uh, night light. <laughs> yeah, get a little trinket. Get a little graven image for your apostate faith. Oh, no, the Lord's going to sweep all that away in the flood that's coming, Omega Man. And hallelujah, it's time for us to get back to the truth. Amen. It's time for us to get back to the truth. So, uh, where do we begin, brother? Where should we start? Should we start with Isaiah? Hallelujah. Let's go for it. Amen. Um, you, I, you mentioned a scripture to me before we got on the phone. You know, folks, uh, the Lord has been talking... Uh, to many of us, uh, he can use any method he wants. Uh, just pre-show, I was calling uh, Benjamin, and I looked and I looked at the clock, and I said, "Oh, it's 4:44." You know, y'all know me well for the numbers. We've seen 11, 11 three times in the last 24 hours, and I'm not into numerology, people. But you know, God has His biblical numerics. That's another program. But uh, let me throw it back to Benjamin. I mentioned 4:44. What did God show you, Benjamin? Well, I had my Bible open to Isaiah chapter 44 and 45. Wow. And so I thought, what my spirit bore witness of is, oh, that's Isaiah 44, verse 4. And so, you know, I looked there, and what a blessing. And that's a, that's a good place for us to start, because, you know, what I want to talk about, what I would like to share with the the body of, Jesus Christ, the, the beloved of the Lord, is some practical ideas, some practical suggestions of how to prepare spiritually. You know, there's a lot of shows, there's a lot of people out there that are bringing the message of the soon and the certain judgment of our God on the church, on this nation, and on the world. And talking about how to prepare in a, you know, in the natural. And that's all well and good. And we should. We should be wise stewards. But if we neglect the preparation in the spirit, all the preparation in the natural will just be vanity of vanities. Yes. It'll, it won't deliver your house. It won't deliver your soul from what's coming. And if we prepare in the spirit, then whether you could do a little or a lot in the natural, the Lord himself will deliver you. Amen. So really the most important thing is preparing in the Spirit. How do you prepare in the Spirit? We're going to look to the Scripture, to what the Lord said through his holy prophets. And, uh, you know, I don't claim to be a prophet. I don't believe I'm in the office of a prophet. That's a special office that's given by the Lord. You know, the true prophets of God were picked by the Lord. You don't just volunteer to become a prophet. You don't appoint yourself a prophet. Amen. You're chosen by the Father. You are commissioned by Jesus Christ to be in the office of a prophet. And this is an hour when the Lord warned us that many, many false prophets will come. People that were not chosen by the Lord. They weren't called by the Lord. The yes. Lord did not send them. Yet they speak. The Lord did not call them, yet they run 
and they run to folly. Blind guides of the blind, you know, they steal their words one from another. You know, they maybe they hear a true prophet and they steal it and they repackage it and they present it as their own. But there's no life in that word. And the scripture says, My sheep can hear my voice. And if you are born again and you are born of him, and if your spirit man has become alive, then you too can bear witness in your spirit when you know you're hearing the voice of the Master. And it can be through a, another person, it can be a witness in your own heart, it can be when you open the scriptures in there. The word is alive unto you. You know they're hearing the voice of the Master. And that's what we need. And so, you know, in this hour, with so many false prophets, so many dreamers dreaming dreams, um, you know, wh how do we look with confidence, that, you know, to what the Lord already warned us was going to be, for the most part, a counterfeit? And it, from my perspective, we don't. So I want to go back to the true prophets. We're going to read from the true prophetic writings and see what the Spirit of the Lord spoke to our generation and to each one of us. This is a rhema word that I'm hoping we can we can share tonight. And um, but you know what? Before we get into scripture, we're live right now, right? Yes, sure. Mega Man. So people, yes, sir, are we've got people listening. You've got people listening right now, all the way from Paris, France. Oh, hallelujah! We bless. We bless every one of you, Bro brothers and sisters. Before we begin, I really want to hear a word that's anointed with life from the Father. And, and so let's all pray. Would you please agree with me in prayer and let's ask the Lord to come and to help and to give Omega Man and to give me utterance to speak a word of life and deliverance to God's people, and to give you, dear listener, ears to hear, hearts to obey. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we cry out to you. Lord Jesus, we come in your name, Lord, and we give you thanks. Lord, we thank you that we are awake in this hour, that you have awoken us from our sleep. Lord, we ask that you would touch us Speak to us, Lord. Impart life to us through your holy scripture, through your living word. Jesus, you said that you are the truth. You are the way, the truth, and the life. So, Lord, teach us your truth this day. Lord, we know from the scriptures that you are also the word of God. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Lord, we honor you, for you are God. We worship you. Your name, Lord Jesus, is above every name. So Lord, we come in your name, and we seek, Lord, to study your scripture. And we ask, Lord, that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, empower us to hear the Word of life. Let it pierce our hearts, Lord. Bring your holy conviction upon us that we would turn from every evil way. Lord, that we would search our hearts, that we would dig deep. 
and that we would prepare our hearts for you, Lord, because you're coming to visit your people. And Lord, it is your desire to be enthroned in our lives. Lord, that you would be on the throne of our hearts and that our love and our worship would be for you, Lord. We would have no other gods before you. So, Lord, lead us to the truth. Lead us to your word, Lord. Pour out your living water. Pour out the golden oil, Lord, to fill your people that are hurting, Lord, that need a touch from you. Let your holy anointing come upon every listener right now, Lord. Send your warring angels into every home. Lord, let them lay hands on every shoulder. Remove the yoke of the enemy, Lord, and and help us, Lord, to put your yoke upon us, to take the burden that you've called us to carry, the one that was fashioned for us. So, Jesus, we look to you in this time. We ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name, according to your perfect will, Lord, that you would be glorified and that you would be well-pleased. Amen. 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 Thank you, dear brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord, according to Isaiah the prophet, chapter 44. And, you know, we should probably back up, because the context of chapter 44 is the Lord is looking at the compromise and the sin in his people. Yes. Thy first father has sinned verse 27 of Isaiah 43, and thy teachers have transgressed against me. Church, the teachers that we have been listening to over our lives, many of them have transgressed the Lord. They have not brought a pure word. They have not been serving bread without leaven, nor have they been pouring out water that was pure, because they have transgressed. Therefore I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary, and given Jacob to the curse, and Israel to the reproach. Brothers and sisters, I don't want to argue about theology. And I don't want to argue about prophecy. I want to hear the rima word of God. I want it to pierce my heart. I want it to pierce the hearts of our listeners. So I'm going to make some declarations of what I bear witness of in the Spirit today. You don't have to receive them. That's your business. And it, it's not my issue whether you receive them, because you are another man's servant. That's between you and the Lord. But I'm going to bear witness of some truth. And I pray that it's going to pierce all of our hearts, and that it brings healing and deliverance and salvation. And this picture is a picture of the church in this time, where Israel was 2,000 years ago, before the first coming of the Messiah, where they had completely fallen to the ground. That is a picture of the church in much of the world today. It is a picture of much of the church in America. And the church has been given over to the curse. There is a false anointing in most churches. A kundalini spirit from hell is masquerading as the Holy Spirit. And multitudes of people believe they're being touched by the Lord, and it's a devil. It doesn't get worse than that, people. 
they're serving Baal and they think they're following the Lord. The princes, the pastors, the prophets have profaned the people of God by teaching them lies, by teaching them lightness. Oh, you're, you're saved. You're the righteousness of God. You don't have to do anything. Well, that's a lie. Scripture says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. No, you've got a job to do. You want to enter in through the narrow gate. You want to walk that straight and narrow path. You want to strive to enter in. You want to knock. You've got to seek. You've got work to do. Yes, salvation is a free gift because Jesus paid the penalty. Hallelujah. Our sin was poured on him. And the judgment was complete. God's justice satisfied. His holiness vindicated. And Jesus paid for all of it. Your sin and my sin. Every one of them. Beaten into his brow. Cut into his body. But that gives us the open door to forgiveness. It's not a license to continue in sin. It's an opportunity to repent and become holy. And that process is sanctification. And we stopped at the doctrine of salvation. Most of the churches stopped right there. And that was only the beginning. Salvation and being born again was how you start, not where you finish. The end of our journey is in the Holy of Holies. And we got sidetracked. The teachers transgressed, and they taught a mixed word to a mixed multitude. And because it was a mixed word, the unsaved felt comfortable coming among us. And most of the churches turned into a mixed multitude. And that mixture brought the curse. And that curse brought the people into bondage. Most believers today are walking in some form of bondage or another. Most of them are experiencing in some fashion in their lives defeat. Now there's a remnant. There may well be a remnant out there that's walking in complete victory. Hallelujah. And if, if you are among that remnant, fear God, give glory unto Him, humble yourself for the mercy you received that you were not swept away in this flood of deception that has come upon the church. But there's only a small remnant. Most of the body is in serious need of repair, and that's what we're going to talk about. But in chapter 44, the Lord says, Yet now, in spite of everything that's happened to people, in spite of all the ways we failed, in spite of everything we've done in sin and in compromise, and all those seeds to the flesh that were sown, Yet now, hear me, O Jacob, my servant. Hear me, church, my chosen ones, the true spiritual Israel, whom I have chosen. I mean, we're at the very end, and yet God is still pleading with his people. The Lord's mercy is so magnificent. I was doing a word study, Omega Man. Yes. And I looked up the I looked up the Hebrew word for the mercy for some of the ways the scriptures described the mercy of the Lord and how the Lord defines his own mercy. And one of the things God says about his own mercy is that it's too much. 
God's mercy is overflowing. It's, the Lord almost is more merciful. He loves mercy so much that he's looking for an opportunity to forgive the people. God yes. is desperate to save his people. I mean, you Amen. think we're in trouble? We are. You got it right. Congratulations. You figured it out. We're in trouble. But you know what? There's a deliverer. There's salvation. And the Lord is looking for a chance. Amen. God is looking for the way to save you. Hallelujah. And that's why he gave us his word. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What do we need to do practically in the spirit to break through, to get to total deliverance, and to get within the secret hiding place of the Lord so that we and our household could be saved? Thus saith the Lord that made you, informed you from the womb, who will help you. I will help you, says the Lord. Fear not, my people, my chosen ones, and you, Yerushalayim, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water out upon him that is thirsty, true living water, and floods upon the dry grounds, God's going to bring such an anointing that it's going to be a flood. The enemy came in with a flood of filth and a flood of lies, but God is about to pour out the latter-day rain, and it is going to pour. And he's going to wash away all of the lies and all of the deception and all those strongholds and that mountain, that stone of stumbling and that rock of offense that the enemy's raised up as a mountain of hindrance. The flood is going to wash it away. I'll pour water out on him that is thirsty and flood on the dry ground. I'll pour my spirit upon your children and my blessing on your offspring. In verse 4, they shall spring up as among the grass. Springing up among the grass and as willows by the water courses. And that's the word I want to focus on is that springing up. Because that word is really important it appears in several other places in the scriptures the Lord mentions it himself in the gospel of John chapter 4 verse 14 but whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst again for the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life it's like a geyser that shoots up. When the Holy Spirit moves, it's powerful. But we are also warned in Scripture, there's another spring that you can have inside of your heart. Yes, the Lord wants to fill you with the well of living water that springs up onto eternal life so that you're like the grass that will spring up in this final hour among the remnant. There's another well that can be found hidden in our hearts, and that's what we're going to deal with, because this well does not spring up to life. If you have this well of bitterness in you, it springs up to defilement, not only for you, but for the many around you. We're told in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, look diligently. God's telling you to look very diligently. That means with all effort, checking everything, 
when you do diligence, it's not casual. It's serious. It's professional. This is kingdom business. Look diligently unto your own heart, lest any man fail or fall short of the grace of God. And how could you do that? By a root of bitterness springing up trouble within you, and thereby many be defiled. So the Lord is offering us living water. He's going to pour out his living water on the dry ground. And whoever drinks of this water will not thirst again, because a well of living water will spring up within him. So what can go wrong? Only one thing. If there's a root of bitterness, if there's a well of bitterness, it turns that water bitter. And that bitterness comes from unforgiveness. It comes from not taking things to the cross. It comes from repressing those wounds through the course of life. Not taking them to the cross. Not laying them on the altar. Denying them, burying them, and, and hiding them in your heart. Thinking, well, I'm just not going to look at that. You know, I, I, I got over it. You know, I don't want to think about it anymore. But you know what? You're not over it. If it's a root of bitterness, if it's a seed. And it doesn't start out a big root, you know. It starts out a little seed. And we need to pull some weeds, people. Because in my opinion, based on what I've seen and experienced as a believer, I think this root of bitterness issue is a serious problem. Yes. I think it's a gateway where the demonic gets a, a access point. It's an open door, Bruce. Amen. Absolutely. And it's how people get defiled. And the scripture says thereby, you know, it will trouble you, and thereby many will be defiled. This root of bitterness, this unforgiveness, this anger, this spirit of hatred, this spirit of judgment, this spirit of criticism, it's a spirit of unbelief, it's a spirit of death, it's a spirit of the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. This is a gatekeeper. This is a strong man that would come within us, separate families, separate households, separate the church. We're going to pull, we're going to talk about how to pull this weed out, that we could prepare our hearts for this latter-day anointing that's coming. Because the Lord is rich in his mercy. He does not get tired of forgiving and healing his people. As a matter of fact, I would, I would say the Lord is passionate about saving his church. Jesus has invested his entire life in your salvation. He invested everything. And his heart is turned over the plight of his people. So God's going to give us some direction from the scripture on what we do to break up that hardened soil turn over that hardened soil in our heart where those seeds of bitterness have been hidden away lest they become a root lest they become they become entrenched because you know brother when those seeds of defilement get sown and we don't take them to the cross we don't put them in the altar we don't let them get burned up we let them stay in the soil of our heart if they grow and become a root they're a lot harder to pull 
The longer they've been in the ground, the deeper the root has grown. The harder and the harder it is to pull out. And it's a life and death issue because not only is it bringing trouble and defilement into our own lives, we're defiling the many around us. And woe unto that man who becomes a stumbling block for one of these little ones that believe in me. Your root of bitterness brings defilement to one of the innocent ones that believes in the Lord. You You do not want that to go there. You don't want that on your account. So we're going to all do the work necessary to clean our hearts and get ready for the king because he's about, he's about to come in visitation upon the earth. Now, I want to also speak, uh, read, share some of the prophetic writings of David where he also talked about this process of springing up. And I'm just going to read a couple verses from Second Samuel. chapter. You take all the time you need, uh, Benjamin. I want to say uh, before you do... I'm just looking at the comments coming in on the uh, chat room, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just uh, unanimous. Uh, people believe this is a word from God tonight. It's touching people right now, touching me. Uh, keep on preaching, brother. Amen. Well, thank glory to the Lord. Yes, thank you, thank Jesus. Thank you, our God, who is so faithful to us. Church, we owe him so much. We owe him so much. We owe him everything. And he's such a good God. He is such a good God. He is worthy of our service and of our love and of our dedication. You know, and we do have the flesh. I mean, we got a problem. We got the flesh to contend with. That's why it's a battle. The Lord knows. He understands. But he's given us the He's given us the weapons of our warfare that we could overcome. The time to overcome is upon us. And so that's what we're going to get into. But I wanted to read a prophetic word that, actually, this is the last word that David spoke, King David. And this is a prophetic word to this hour, and it's so beautiful. It's just the first four verses of Second Samuel, chapter 23. And isn't it interesting, brother? We read the first four verses of Isaiah, now we're in Samuel. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now these be the last words of David, David, the son of Jesse. Said, and the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Israel, and the sweet psalmist of Israel, said, The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. He that rules over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning. When the sun rises, even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth, by clear shining after the rain, we are going to become like the light of the morning. When the sun rises, on a morning without clouds in the sky, it's clear, shining, yet it's rained. How does it rain with no clouds? Well, the rain came from heaven, and we are the grass 
The grass is the men. But this grass is going to spring out of the earth alive. And You know, brother, that section of scripture, I believe, talks about the anointed remnant coming forth full of the anointing by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, literally springing up out of their hearts unto new life in this hour. And, you know, that phrase, the light of the morning, that phrase appears in Scripture in only one place, right here. It is only in one section of the Scriptures. And this is King David's final words. And I think to myself, um... Omega Man, you may recall years ago when I, when I had, um, I think I shared with you, I woke up one morning and I had angels in my bedroom. Oh, yeah. And I did not see them, but I could hear them with my ears. And they were talking, only they sounded like trumpets. That They were trumpeting, you know, and I, I can't wow. talk like a trumpet, but they were... And it says that in the book of Revelation, sound, you know, the angel sounded as a trumpet and said, and they said words. Well, I heard this with my ears. The, the angels were blowing a trumpet, but words were coming out. And the first angel trumpeted and he said, do you know what time it is? And then the next angel on the other side of the room trumpeted and he answered and he said, it is time for the light of the morning to break through. And, you know, I went and searched in the scriptures and I found this verse. And, and the light of the morning is, of course, Jesus Christ, the light of our God, the Word of God, the truth of our Lord. It's time for the Word of God to break through. It's time for the purposes of Jesus Christ to come to fruition. It's time for the people of God to shake off the yoke of bondage and to walk in the freedom that Jesus Christ paid for with his life. It's time for the kingdom of hell to be thrown down, and for the kingdom of heaven to rise in God's people. It's time for us to get ready. It's time for us to be prepared. It's time for us to be anointed. It's time for us to be set free, because the hour of testing is nigh at hand. And We won't get into the timing, but it's coming fast, folks. In the next two years, your lives are all going to change. But before we walk into that fire, the Lord is going to prepare us so that we can walk through it. And we will endure and we will be a witness and we will be kept in perfect peace. The world will become afraid, but we will be kept in perfect peace. The world is passing away, but our kingdom is coming. It's coming even now because it's time for the light of the morning to come. And that's what I wanted to get into. God is intending to bring the total victory in the lives of his people. But we've got to do some work. He calls us to prepare. He calls us to do certain things. And that's what we're going to look at now. What is the Lord asking us to do? You know, where, what's our authority? Well, I look to the prophetic writings. So, well, what does the scripture say? And brother, there's one, you know, the scripture has a lot to say, but there's one part of scripture I really want to focus on today, and that's the prophecies in the book of Joel. 
the admonitions through the prophet Joel, the commandments that came from heaven through the words of the prophet Joel. And we're gonna we're gonna break down the scripture in the book of Joel. But I I want to first ask all our listeners, and Bruce, can people email you? Yes, sure, sure can. I'm looking um, at a I, live chat right now. Excellent. I'd like to ask a question of everyone, and um, anyone that you know can answer. If you could respond in the chat room with a yes, um, I'd like to know how many people have been to, actually attended a solemn assembly, as described, you know, as we were commanded to do in the Book of Joel, which we're going to. I'm sure most of our listeners know the book of Joel, and they they recall the scriptures where the Lord says, proclaim a solemn assembly, you know, gather a solemn assembly together and proclaim a fast among God's people. How many people have been to a a solemn assembly at some point in their life? We've got about a minute. I would venture not very many. You know, um, we have about a minute delay, so as answers start coming by, I'm going to funnel them to you. I know uh, okay. Benjamin in my own life. I mean, life, I hope it's um, like, you know, a huge number, but, you know, from, my, from what I see, have seen and known, I don't know of very many people that have been taking the Lord seriously in the instructions in the Scripture. You know, the Lord told us, go and learn the meaning of a parable. And that was the parable of the fig tree. You know, the Lord spoke 40 parables in the scripture through the ministry of Jesus Christ there are 40 parables only one was assigned as homework to the church I've yet to find anybody that did the homework here are your answers um, I can't find a solemn assembly no I, I don't know I've, uh, I've never been to one um, I've only, I only see one reply that says yes hallelujah uh, well we're all going That's what we're going to talk about today. Praise God. Because God has ordained a solemn assembly for his saints to prepare them for this hour. And that's basically the topic of this show. So I want to start reading in the prophecies of the prophet Joel. And we're going to start in chapter 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethiel. Hear this, you old men, and give ear, all inhabitants of the land. So everybody's supposed to listen to this. Has this been in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Have you ever seen a time like this? Tell it to your children. Let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. That which the palmer worm has left, the locust has eaten. And that which the locust left... The canker worm has eaten. And that which the canker worm has left, the caterpillar has eaten. That's a picture of a total judgment. All of it consumed. Awake, you drunkards, and weep. Howl, all you drinkers of wine, because the new wine for you is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come upon my land, strong and without number teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he has the cheek teeth of a great lion. You know, that's been fulfilled in our nation right now. A foreign government 
has come upon this land in the form of a shadow. And it's everywhere. And this is the teeth of a lion. It has the head of a lion, the body of a leopard, and the feet of a bear. The beast system is encroaching like a cancer in this land and, and really all over the earth. He laid my vine waste. This lion has wasted our economy. And they called it a bailout. <laughs> Barked my fig tree, stripped the bark off your fig trees, made it clean bare. And if you strip the bark off a tree and make it clean bare, that tree is going to die. You cast it away. The branches are made white. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The meat offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. And the priests, the Lord's ministers, mourn. The field is wasted. The land mourns. For the corn is wasted, the new wine is dried up, and the oil languishes. That's Joel one ten. The field is wasted. The word wasted, pardon me, the word field in Hebrew is sadeh, and it means country, ground, soil. Our country is wasted. Wasted is shadad. It means to ravage, to be destroyed, to be oppressed, robbed, spoiled, utterly wasted. Our country is destroyed. Our country has been oppressed. Our country is being robbed. Our country is spoiled. America is utterly wasted. That's the full meaning of that section of Scripture in Hebrew. And the land has been destroyed. It's been polluted with chemicals. It's been poisoned. All the nutrients have been robbed. It's utterly wasted. The nation, its systems, its ground, all of it has fallen to the ground. The land mourns. And the word for land in Hebrew is Adam. Ah. Adam. Ah. And it means the country, the earth, the ground, the men. Man. The men mourn. The nation mourns. The earth itself is mourning. And the word mourning is abal. It means to bewail, to wail, to cry out, to lament. Our nation is being destroyed. The people are mourning and lamenting. The new corn is wasted. And corn represents the first harvest. The wheat was the second harvest. The corn was presented in the Feast of First Fruits. An ephod of fresh, ripe barley corn was brought into the temple. It was threshed and winnowed and cleaned. And then the high priest held a handful of the corn up to the Lord as part of the First Fruits offering. That is the anointed remnant preserved from the fire. The wheat harvest is the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Shavuot, the 49 days after the Sabbath following the Passover. And the wheat was presented representing the people in the form of two loaves, Jew and Gentile, 
and the wheat made into flour was mixed with leaven, representing the sin that was in God's people. It's the only time leaven was ever permitted to be brought within the temple was on the Feast of Weeks, which is the time for the harvest judgment of God's people. And it represents the sin of compromise that is still found within the chosen ecclesia, the Jews and the Gentiles saved in, in Messiah. And uh, the high priest, after presenting the loaves before the Lord, then put them in an oven to cook out the leaven. And that oven represents, it's representative of the furnace of affliction that the Lord chose us in in order to purify us and to prepare us for the wedding feast. It also represents the great tribulation period that's the ultimate oven. Because just as Nebuchadnezzar heated up the furnace seven times hotter than it's ever been heated before when he threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, so the furnace will be heated up seven times hotter in this hour, in this generation, than it has ever been heated up before. We call that the Great Tribulation. It's going to be a hot oven, folks. And the two loaves that would not get rid of their leaven are going to go in the oven because the Lord is intending to remove the leaven. And he will remove it. This oven is hot enough that it will cook out the leaven. But the corn is presented first, and it has no leaven. So it's not burned. It's the Lord's portion. It represents the remnant, is what I'm trying to say. So when the scripture talks about the corn, when Jesus says a seed of corn must fall to the ground and die, or it abides alone, but if it falls to the ground and dies in Messiah, then it will bring forth much fruit. He's talking about his remnant that breaks through. When he talks about a handful of corn on top of the mountains, he's talking about the remnant that survive and endure to the end to see the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens. The wheat, they don't end up on the top of the mountains. Now they get purified in the fire and they're gathered into the father's barn and they're saved hallelujah but the corn is different than the wheat folks and here we're now told the corn is wasted the corn is the principal crop the corn has been destroyed the new wine is dried up the wine of the new covenant which was true holiness, has been dried up. And the oil languages, the oil represents the anointing. The oil languishes. And the word for languish means amal. It's amal in the Hebrew, and it means to be sick, to be weak, to be feeble, to droop over, just sort of wilting. The proper reading of this verse would be, the country has been destroyed. The people are lamenting and mourning. The corn, the offering of the Omer is now oppressed. The new wine is drying up and the anointing is feeble.
feeble among God's people. And isn't that an accurate picture? Yes. Everybody's struggling. You know, maybe there's a small handful that aren't, and if you're among that handful, then please pray for the people of God, because the Israel of God is in a desperate hour, but the Lord has a plan. Hallelujah. Amen. God has a plan to deal with this, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that here in the book of Joel. Joel chapter 1, verse 11. Be ashamed. You husbandmen, pastors, prophets, servant of the Most High God, be ashamed, you vine dressers, you workers in the field of the Lord, for the wheat and the barley corn, because the harvest of your field is perishing. The word for ashamed in the Hebrew, Omega Man, is bush. Oh, oh yes. Bush. I mean, wow. shame. Hey, I'm going to vote for shame. You sure you want to elect shame? I don't know about the shame guy. I don't really bear witness of shame. Yeah, well, people trusted in the arm of flesh and were they ever disappointed. But the word for shame is bush, and it means to be confounded. Wow. To be perplexed, to not know what to do, and to become dry. For the anointing to just sort of wither and dry. The harvest is perished. The word for harvest is atsir, and it means the severing of the harvest, as in reaping. It means the time of the reaper has come. Be ashamed, for the time of the reaper is here. And the word for perish is abad. It means to wander away, to lose oneself, to perish, to be destroyed, to not escape. To have no way to flee. Abad. No way to escape what is coming in the flesh. Be ashamed. Be confounded. Be confused. Become dry. The wheat and the barley corn of the field is perishing and there's no way to flee. There's no hiding place in the flesh. Utter destruction is coming. Only those hiding in the Lord will endure this. Joel verse 12, 112. The vine is dried up and the fig tree languishes. The pomegranate and the palm tree and the apple tree, even all the trees are withered and joy is withered away from the sons of men. And the word withered is the same word for dried up. It's yabash. It means, again, to be, to be confused, to be disappointed, to dry up, to, to wither away. The life in the people of God is withering away. The love of many is growing cold. The anointing is becoming feeble. The people are confused and perplexed. You hear it and see it everywhere. People are saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. We need to get back to the Lord. And yes. walking in the fullness of the anointing. So we know what to do. 
so we know exactly what to do. So we're not confused. We're not ashamed. We're not confounded. We're not withering away. So we're going to change course here, folks. Gird yourself and lament, you priests. The word gird is chagar. It means to gird as in a belt of armor, to put on, to restrain yourself. Put yourself in your armor. Get your armor on, church. Put on that helmet of salvation. Get that belt of truth out. Get those shoes shed for the preparation of the gospel. Get that robe of righteousness. Get that shield of faith faith, and get that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and get your armor, because we're going to war. Amen. Gird yourselves and lament. And the word lament means repent. It means to tear your hair out. It means to beat your breast. It means to wail and mourn. Gird yourselves for battle and repent to the level of weeping and mourning. Howl, you ministers of the altar. We are to lie. It says, come, lie all night in sackcloth, you ministers of my God, for the meat offering and the drink offering has been withheld from the house of your God. Joel 1.14, sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the Lord the word for sanctify is kadash, and it means, it's very close to kadosh, which means holy. It's, but it's, it's the derivative, it's kadash, and it means to make clean, to consecrate, to make holy, to prepare, to purify, to sanctify oneself holy. It means to clean up and to consecrate. Sanctify a fast. We are to clean up in a fasting mode. And the word for fast, this is great. It's the word some, and it means a, literally a fasting. It comes from the Hebrew word som, and it means to cover over your mouth. Put your hand over your mouth. So this fast is not just fasting in terms of food and fasting in terms of the flesh. But this fast goes all the way to the soul because God wants you to cover your mouth and stop talking so much. My authority for that? The scripture. Zechariah 2.13 Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for he is raised up out of his holy mountain. Jeremiah eight fourteen. Why are you sitting still? Why are you doing nothing? Assemble yourselves. Yeah. A solemn assembly is a form of assembling yourself. Assemble yourself and enter into the defensed cities and let us be silent there. For the Lord has put us to silence. That's what the word fasting means. It's some. It means putting your hand over your mouth. God's literally saying, Fasting, not only for food, but from foolish talking, from your own way. Sanctifying time and seeking the Lord. And the word for solemn assembly is 
Atsara, and it means a solemn meeting. And it comes from the word Atsar, and it means to enclose yourself, to hold back, to restrain, to shut up, to close up, to hold, to withhold yourself. The idea is you're holding yourself back from all the other normal activities that are your day-to-day life, and you are fasting and you are seeking the Lord with everything. It's a time that is consecrated 100% to seek the Lord, and you're doing nothing else, and you're doing it in an assembly. And we'll talk about, we'll go into detail some of the things the Spirit's revealed about how this is done, but I want to continue in the book of Joel for, for a few more minutes here. Um, Joel one fifteen. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as destruction from the Almighty it shall come. And the word for alas in the Hebrew is ahaha, and it means a sudden surprise, especially expressing pain. It's an exclamatory, oh my, look what's coming. It's a, oh my, guess what, folks? The day of the Lord is at hand. It's about to begin, and it's coming as destruction and his judgment. The Lord is putting the loaves in the furnace. He's turning the heat up seven times hotter than it's ever been. He's going to cook the leaven out real quick. But before you end up in that furnace, you have an opportunity to put yourself in a furnace. Not nearly as hot. Actually, not that hot at all. And you can get the leaven out yourself by doing what the Lord directs through the prophet Joel. Or, you know, you can ignore God's direction and let the Lord do the work himself in you and you can keep your leaven and you can go into the oven and God will purify you. He's going to honor his covenant with you. He is going to save you from your sins and you'll come out pure like gold. But I'm wanting to raise, I'm wanting to call the church the remnant that will hear the Word of God, to the preparations beforehand, that they may be accounted worthy to be among the corn, that they could be the handful of corn on the top of the mountain, not the two loaves in the oven down in the valley below. Mm. Yes. Hallelujah. I want to be cornbread. I do not want to be bread. (laughs) (laughs) You want to be made into cornbread, not burnt toast. Yes. Not wheat toast, where you got to burn the edges in order to get the leaven completely out? Amen. Amen. The word for as destruction from the Almighty shall it come. The word for destruction is showed, and it means violence, ravaging, desolation, oppression, robbery, wasting. It comes, this is really interesting. The word showed comes from the root Shud in the Hebrew, which means to swell up by insolence, to devastate. It comes from swelling pride. And the word insolence, which is 
from the Greek, it comes from the word hubris, which we use in the English language to mean excessive pride. So the violence and the destruction that's coming, the source of it within the heart of man is going to be swelling pride to which man will bring desolation and oppression everyone upon his neighbor. Amazing. Joel chapter 2, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord comes, behold, it is nigh at hand. The word for tremble is ragaz, and it means shaking with violent emotion, especially anger or fear, to become afraid, to stand in awe to tremble, to be troubled. Let all the inhabitants of the land stand in awe of the day of the Lord that comes. Let them shake with emotion. Let them become afraid. For it is nigh at hand. And you know the word for all in, in the Hebrew is kol, and it means the whole. Any, every, altogether, everyone, whatsoever, whosoever, every last one of them, God says, every last one of them is going to become afraid. Brothers and sisters, if we're not walking in the anointing, if we're not in the secret hiding place of the Most High God, Psalm 91, and you can't just, you know, read that out loud and go, well, I'm claiming that. No, this is not a place you claim. This is a reality that you have been brought within the covering of the Lord, and He is going to hide you. If you're not hidden by the Lord, then when the reaper comes through the field for the harvest, they're going to grab every bit of grain they can. They're only going to miss a few berries, a few pieces of grain, two or three on the outermost branches, one or two hidden under the leaves. The rest are all getting harvested. The remnant should be like a gleaming in the land, and the gleaning was what was missed. And they were not looking to miss anything. So everyone's going to become violently emotional and standing in awe of the day of the Lord. For it is a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and strong, there has never been the like, neither there shall there be any more after it. And the word for darkness is koshek. It means literally misery, death, ignorance. A day of ignorance, a day of sorrow, a day of misery. That is what's coming. A day of thick darkness. Joel 2, verse 3. A fire devours before them, and behind them the flame burns. The land is a garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing shall escape them. And the word for desolate means, it's the Hebrew word shem-ama, and it means devastation, astonishment, to be laid most death, desolate. And the word where it says, and nothing shall escape, in the Hebrew it's the word lo, and it means no, surely no, truly no, of a truth, no, verily no. In modern speech, I would translate it to, no way, no chance, no hope, not a one will be saved. 
save the remnant. And this whole issue of preparing our hearts is the issue of whether we want to be part of the remnant that is saved and that is used by the Lord for His final ministry on this earth. And the word for escape, nothing shall escape, it means to exist, to continue. It's Hagah. <laughs> nothing will continue. Nothing is going to exist after these reapers come through. The earth will be utterly destroyed. Nothing will continue. Nothing will exist apart from that which is held safely in the Lord's hand. Joel 2.11 And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great. He's strong that executes his word, for the day of the Lord is very great and very terrible. And who can abide in it? And the word for very is mi'od, and it means holy, speedily, intense, exceedingly fast, growing louder and louder, mightily, quickly, utterly, very much. I mean, this is an intense word. When it says the day of the Lord is very terrible, it means like over the top. And the word for terrible is to revere, to be afraid, to see terrible acts, to witness terrible things. Then in verse 12, Joel 2.12, the Lord says, Therefore, now, says the Lord, therefore, because of this incredible judgment that's about to come, because of these overflowing wrath that's about to be poured out. Therefore, because that's the time you're living in, now, even now, which means from this time forward, from now on, the Hebrew word is atah, and it means henceforth. From this point forward, therefore, from this point forward, until the Lord comes, saith the Lord, turn to me with all your heart and with fasting and weeping and mourning. And the word for turn is hub, and it means to turn back, to bring back home again. Therefore now, turn back home again, says the Lord. Call to mind, it means to call to mind, to come back, to convert again, to be delivered again, to go back home again, to cause to return again. So what the Lord is saying is, therefore now, because of all of this judgment that I've now told you I'm about to bring upon the earth, now I want you to come home. Turning to God with all your heart. And the word for turn is to come back home. And the word for with all, it's the same word coal, it means everything all together, all of you, with all of your heart. And the word for heart is lebab, and it means your mind, your courage, your tender-heartedness, your understanding, your thoughts, everything. Turn to the Lord and rend your heart, verse 13. The word rend means to revile, to cut, to tear. Tear your heart, not your garments. God is not looking for outward religion. He does not want you getting religious now. That's why he says, don't 
tear your garments. I don't want to show. He wants this done in the heart. And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness. And he repents of the evil. And the word for merciful is rachum, and it means full of compassion. The Lord is full of mercy. And of great kindness, the word for great is rob. It means abundantly, exceedingly, full of mighty, more, too much, or very much, or plenteous, or sufficient kindness. God has too much kindness. He's got more than enough. He's got sufficient mercy. And the word for kindness is chesed. Chesed. And it means, it translates in most places in Scripture to mercy, or loving kindness, or favor, or pity, or beauty. The Lord has abundant mercy. So even in this final hour, God's calling out to His people. You've got to clean up. I want to show you mercy. I want to save you. God is desperate to save your life, but you have got to cooperate. Because the Lord is bringing an end to the kingdom of sin. And he has determined he's going to remove the sin from his people. You get to decide how he removes the sin from you. You can follow his instructions. Or you can require the Lord to do the work himself, for which he has an oven. And it is sufficiently hot enough to remove all of your sin. But the Lord, being so rich in his mercy, would prefer that his people obey him now. And he will help you. You don't have to do this alone. The Lord will help you. And then it says in verse 14, who knows? If the Lord will return and repent and leave a blessing in your home behind him, even an offering unto the Lord your God. Because the Lord's coming in visitation. In most places he goes, what he finds will be unacceptable to him. And he will cleanse it by burning it. He's going to burn everything that is not clean. If your flesh has not been cleansed, it burns your house is not clean, it burns. Your life is not clean, it burns. Your spirit is already clean if you've been born again. He's not going to burn your spirit. Your spirit gets saved. It gets resurrected in the power of Jesus Christ. It's preserved under the eternal day. And we're all going to sing before the throne of the Lamb very soon. But before we get there, God is going to cleanse the entire earth. He will protect that which is his. Everything else is going to be destroyed. And we get to decide. Where do we want to come out in the process? The solemn assemblies for those who want to become the seed of corn that falls to the ground and bears much fruit. And the, the furnace, the oven, is for those that, you know, for whatever reason, just had to go the hard way. Well, you know, there is a hard way. Verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call 
a solemn assembly. Now the Lord is repeating himself here, folks. And when the Lord repeats himself, it's because he's really, he means it real seriously. You know how if you all have kids and they don't really listen, I mean, they say, yeah, mom, yeah, dad, yeah. But you know they're not really listening because their mind's on whatever. So you repeat yourself. No, I mean, clean your room. You know, you say it again. No, I really want you to clean your room. Yeah, sure, I'll get no. I want you to stop what you're doing and go and clean your room. And so the Lord, being a good father, he knows we're not, you know, we're like kids. We just don't always listen so good. So the Lord's repeating himself. Blow the trumpet, the war trumpet, the warning trumpet, in Zion, in his camp. Sanctify the fast. Call the solemn assembly. And the word for call is karah, and it's the idea of accosting a person. This comes from the Hebrew dictionary. I mean, this is a get-in-your-face call. This is a call by name. This is from the dictionary. It's to address you by name. You are bidden by name as a guest. You are invited by name. It is published and declared, but it is by individual name. And this solemn assembly, it's not a general call. This is by direct invitation, by the Spirit, by the Lord. And we'll get into that in in much greater detail when we get done with the scriptures in Joel. But the point is, you're invited. You've got to seek the Lord on exactly how this is going to come to pass in your life. But you guys are going to a solemn assembly. Praise God, I want to go. Oh, I've been to two of them. They are the most powerful, awesome times. And and they begin by prayer. They come to pass by praying, Lord, I I want to go to a solemn assembly. I want to obey your word. God's not saying, hey, you know, if you're not doing anything else that important, want to consider a solemn assembly. That is not, it's not what the Lord's doing. He's ordaining it. He's ordaining it. And he goes on in verse 16, gather the people, sanctify the congregation. Everybody that's coming to the solemn assembly must be sanctifying. They must be fasting. They must be serious about the Lord. This is not for the Lukewarm. This is for people that want to do serious business with God. It's not pretend and it's not for play. Gather the children, those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Well, I was planning on getting married. Delay your wedding. Seek the Lord. We're going on vacation. Cancel your vacation. Well, i got a football game to watch. Turn off the football. Whatever your plans are. You know, the picture of the scripture here is bridegroom's coming out. You know, bride coming out of a closet. She's getting her wedding gown on. They're blowing the trumpet in Zion. Time to go before the Lord. I'm sorry. Everything's now canceled. We go seek the Lord. It's not a well, well, you know, if I have time kind of thing. Let the priest and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, let them pray, spare thy people, Lord, and give not your heritage to the enemy, that the heathen should rule over them. 
Why should they say among the people, where is their God? Then in verse 18, we are told, if you do this, if you sanctify a fast, if you go to, you call a solemn assembly, if you weep and cry for your sin in repentance, then, verse 18, then the Lord will be jealous for his land and will have pity on his people. Yes, the Lord will answer. You do these things, God says, I will respond. And I'm going to say unto my people, Behold, I will send you the corn and the wine and the oil. The corn represents, again, the anointed remnant. The wine is the wine of the new covenant. And the oil is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And you shall be satisfied. And I will no longer make you a reproach among the heathen. And I will remove far from you the northern army that drove into your land and made your land barren. Fear not, O land. This is verse 21. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid of the wild beast of the field. And that word for wild beast could actually be translated an evil company of men coming to impose martial law. Don't be afraid of them. They can't touch you. You're in the hand of the Father. For the tree bears fruit. You're still going to bear fruit. The fig tree and the vine will yield their strength. Be glad, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately, and now he's going to come down for the rain, both the former and the latter rain. Now he's going to pour out a flood of water on dry ground. And his anointed remnant, that seed of corn that fell to the ground, it's not going to abide alone anymore. It is going to spring out of the earth. And the floors, your vats, your storehouses will be full of wheat. And you will overflow with the wine and the oil of anointing. And God says, and then I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten and the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, the great army which I sent among you, and you will eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God. All of these blessings, Omega Men, are contingent on our responding to God's call to declare a fast, to declare a solemn assembly, to gather together with other believers, to sanctify this fast, to repent, to confess our sins one to another, and to repent in tearing our hearts to the point that it produces weeping and mourning. Yes. And if you go to a solemn assembly, and it can't really be done in the flesh, you've got to do this by the Spirit. If the Lord opens a door for you to attend a solemn assembly and you get into this anointing and this intensity of seeking the Lord, and you've been fasting for days in preparation of going to the assembly, and you gather together with other believers, all of whom have been fasting in preparation of gathering together in a time of sanctification to seek God and to repent of our sins, you can get to the point where your repentance 
begins to break your heart. When you, God starts taking the blindness off and you see your sin for what it is and for what it's done, not only to your life, but to the lives around you, God will break your hardened heart. He'll bring you to a point of mourning and weeping. And brothers and sisters, that's the point where that sin is utterly removed from you. That's the point where those roots of bitterness, those seeds of offense that got stuck in our hearts, they just get, they come out easy. You know, if you've got a weed in the heart and that, and that ground is real hard and you try to yank that weed out, you're not, you're not going to get that weed so easy. But if you go through with a rototiller and you just break up all that hard ground, you can get that weed out pretty simple. Yes. That's the same for our hearts. You know, our hearts are hard. If we're not weeping and mourning, if we do not cry before the Lord for the nation, for our nation that's about to be destroyed, for the church, these are our brothers and sisters, our own family, our own children, our own lives. You know, if that doesn't bring tears to our eyes, it's because our heart is too hard. And if you're not weeping and mourning for this time and in this hour, then it means you need more prayer and fasting. You need prayer and fasting until it produces weeping and mourning. That is the formula of the book of Joel. And then you need to gather together in a solemn assembly because there's power in the unity. There's power in the agreement. And years ago, I read this, and you know, I had heard almost no one talking about it. And I really began to pray and said, Lord, I want to go to a solemn assembly. And I don't even know how to do a solemn assembly other than I get the impression everyone's supposed to be fasting because that's kind of obvious from the scriptures. And we're supposed to weep and repent. But other than that, I didn't have really much of an idea. So I got a few friends together, and I said, let's all pray about having a solemn assembly. And they agreed. And so we prayed for a matter of several weeks, and, and the details began to become clear to us, what God had called us to do. And it was a group. Ultimately, we ended up... Um, inviting probably seven or eight people. Everybody was handpicked. We all knew, well, not all eight people knew each other. There were a few people that had never met before, but obviously everybody knew somebody really well. We were not acquaintances. This was close koinonia. These were people that loved each other in the Lord. And everybody was serious. Everybody knew what time it was. Everybody knew we needed to do business with the king. Everybody fasted before they even came. We flew from all over the country, and we met in a, one of the central states. And people came from the east and from the west, from the north and the south. Nobody even lived in the city that we went to. We went to Columbus, Ohio. There's a brother there who's got a church and a great deliverance ministry. Uh, Pastor David Middleton, and he agreed to let us use his church. 
None of us even belong to his church. Nobody even lives in Ohio. We all wow. fly to Ohio. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> yes. We all fly to Ohio, and, and we don't even have an itinerary. And we get together. Everybody flies in on a Friday, and we get together, and everybody's already been fasting and praying about this and seeking God's face. And, and we come from all corners of the earth to seek the Lord. And we get together the first night, Omega Man, and we have a time of worship and a time of prayer. And, man, it was awesome. Wow. And then the Lord impressed upon us very clearly. The next day, the men and the women are separate. And the women go and follow the direction of the Spirit and do what Jesus says to do. I don't even know what they did. They never bothered to tell us. I only know what the men did. The men, we all got together and we prayed and we sought the Lord and we asked Him, Lord, what do we do? And the Lord had us in this time. He directed us to have each brother. And there were only four guys here, okay? Each person took time to share to the other three brothers what the main issue they were battling in their life was. What was the number one issue that was a problem, spiritually? Yes. And they shared it in sufficient detail so that the other brothers could understand. And maybe it took 15, maybe it took 30, maybe it took an hour for the brother to share what was going on. And then everyone else took time to pray for that brother. And it took us almost all day to pray for four guys. And by the end of the day, it was so powerful. And then that night, we went into deep repentance prayer. And the context of this ended up people really disclosing stuff, you know, confessing their sins at a very deep level. And one brother started, you know, literally pouring out, and it just opened the floodgates. And everyone felt encouraged to be brutally honest in confessing your sins one to another. But I want to admonish our listeners. The scripture says one to another. It doesn't say to the church. Most people can't handle your sin. Most people, if they knew you were a sinner, probably wouldn't want to be your friend. Even though they're sinners too, they're kind of, most people are in denial about their own sin, so yes. they don't want to see yours, because your sin is going to remind them of their sin, and they don't want to deal with their sin either. They've got it buried, the same place they buried all those seeds of bitterness, and then they got some Christian doctrine thrown on top with some plastic flowers and some plastic fruit they bought at some Christian bazaar stuck in the ground, and they call that their garden. But the Lord wants to run the rototiller through the place. And he wants to dig up all that junk, and he wants to purge it out of you. You forgot about the brick wall. <laughs> put around that. Exactly. And then they put some statue to some dead guy where they can pray about it. It's absolutely absurd the things the flesh does to try to pretend that it's spiritual. But the essence of a solemn assembly is gathering together with like-minded believers 
for a time of deep repentance. I went to a second one uh, about a year later. Again, a group of people were praying and just asking God, Lord, we want to do this. We want to obey you. We want to obey the prophetic word. Show us what you would have us to do. And, and again, another small group. And I, I believe absolutely you cannot do this with 20 or 30 people. You cannot be open and, and vulnerable to confess your sins if it's a large group. You know, 30 people need to break into four solemn assemblies, not one. Unless they are amazing people who are absolutely open to each other. But, you know, what I've seen, this is a small gathering. And in the second assembly that I attended, one of the things the Lord had us do that was really awesome is when we got to the assembly the first night, we realized we had every generation present. We had people in their 70s and 80s. We had people in their 50s and 60s, 30s, 40s, all the way down to young 20s. And we got the idea by revelation that the Lord wanted us to pray about the sins of these generations, to pray about our, the sins of the nation, the generational sin in our own families, the families that were represented, and then ultimately our own sin in continuing or adding on to the sins of the nation and the generational sin in our bloodlines. So we gathered together as a group, and the oldest people in the group began to repent of the sins that were occurring in the 1920s. The sins wow. that were happening in America in the 1920s. The sins that were happening in their families. And then this literally just ignited in the spirit, and we rolled forward, praying through, repenting for the sins that have defiled the land, the sins that have defiled the bloodlines, and brought the curse, the generational curses, and the sins that we ourselves have committed. And folks, when you get into this deep repentance and God starts breaking your heart, you start weeping over your sin. This is true repentance. This is the repentance where you come away and now you're clean. And in each of these solemn assemblies, the final day, both of them were done over a weekend, like a Friday to Sunday. And uh, the final day we gathered on a Sunday, and both times we, we had a time of worship, a time of sharing the scripture, a time of bearing testimony of what God did during the time of repentance and we also shared Holy Communion I gotta tell you guys several people said to me this was the most powerful time of my entire life I've never been so touched by God I've never been so blessed and all we did was the formula that God lays out in the prophets Joel we fasted, we sanctified that fast, we prepared our hearts to seek the Lord, we asked God to organize exactly how the solemn assembly should be done, who should come, all the, the where, why, how, when. We submitted all that to prayer, and the, by the Holy Spirit, the Lord pulled it all together, and then we showed up fasting, seeking God with all our hearts, and then we fearlessly 
confessed our sins one to another. And one person's confession broke the other's hearts. And we all had our hearts break before God. And we all wept and we all cried. And we all cried out to Jesus. And we all witnessed the Lord fulfilling the promise that he's made when he said, I, the Lord, will answer you. I am going to restore to you the years that the canker worm and the locusts have eaten. I will bless you and restore to you the things that you have lost. And you shall know that I'm in your midst, Israel, and that I, the Lord, your God, and no other shall be glorified. And my people who exalt me shall never be put to shame. And you will eat in plenty and you will be satisfied. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has dwelt, dwelt wondrously with you. For my people shall never be ashamed. And it will come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Then your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and on the earth below. Blood and fire, pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness. And the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. And that's what this is, the call to the solemn assembly, the call to repentance, the call to sanctification, is the call of the Spirit to the remnant whom the Lord God of Israel is calling in this hour. And hallelujah, you know, I, I want to go to another solemn assembly and I would encourage all of our listeners, you know, seek the Lord on this. Tell your friends. You know, share with them the, the scriptures. All you've got to do is read the book of Joel. It's right in there. Yes. And the, it's real clear that the Lord is saying this is a commandment. You know, he's not, this is not a suggestion. This is the Lord's direction. You know, and people are like, well, I don't know what to do. Well, why don't you do what the Lord said? Amen. Let's start there, huh, Omega Man? I haven't heard anybody bring this out. I mean, I'm looking at all the comments coming in. Uh, people said they they got a they got a witness on this. I'm telling people to to circulate this program far and wide. This really is the exit strategy. How oh, do you make is. it? Uh, repentance, and you know, through calling a, a psalm assembly. And um, obedience to the word of God. Amen. And and we've got to repent from the bottom of our heart. You, you remember Omega Man when the Lord showed me the judgment? Yes. I was standing in my living room, and um, I was actually on the, the phone. And I was talking to someone, and they said something to me, and it broke my heart. And all of a sudden, I could see this big picture of my this big old heart, and this crack just going 
from the top to the bottom, you know, just slow moving, cracking. And as soon as the crack got to the bottom, I saw these really big hands just reach in and grab both edges of that crack and just rip open my heart. And I stepped right into the future. And I was there. And it was with a broken heart. It was through the breaking of my heart that I could receive. And, you know, when I, the Lord took me back into my living room, and I fell on the floor weeping, and I said, Lord, I need to know what to do to be saved from this judgment. I was actually screaming it, folks. I was very upset by what I had just seen. And the Lord said, I will protect that which is mine, and everything else will be destroyed. And then I said, Lord, I need to know what to do. I can't hear from a man in this hour. I must hear from you. And the Lord said, search the Scripture for the detailed instructions for this hour are in the Word of God. Now, I'm bearing witness that Jesus Christ said that, okay? Now, either he said that or I'm a liar. So, and each of you, you're not supposed to take this for granted. You're supposed to test this. You know, don't just believe me. No. If the word is from the Lord, he will provide two or more witnesses to confirm it. And you'll bear witness in your own spirit that you've heard the Lord. And it will line up with the Holy Scripture. It will bear witness. In Isaiah chapter 8, we are told, if they do not speak according to the prophets and the law, it is because they have no light in them. The true messenger, the true voice, the, the person who's sharing something that's inspired by the Spirit of God, it's going to always line up with Holy Scripture, it's always going to line up with the prophetic revelation, and it's always going to be exactly the word that the people of God need to hear. So, you know, don't take my word for it. Test this in prayer. Ask the Lord to confirm. Lord, do you really want me to go, you know, to a solemn assembly? You know, God, were you, did you really say the instructions are in the Bible, that we're supposed to search the Bible? You know, and, and let the Lord confirm it for you. I, I believe it's been totally confirmed. I heard it with my ears. I know it was the Lord. And it definitely lines up with Holy Scripture, because he said the answer is the Holy Scripture. And what are the instructions in the Bible? That's what I wrote my book for, Omega Man. That's why I typed the book. I wanted to put in one place all the instructions that I was able to find, you know, plus some insight into how America and the church in America fits into the, into the prophetic writings. But yes, the main purpose for bringing forward the book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand, was to share with the people of God the instructions that are in Holy Scripture. But you don't need the book that I typed. You need the instructions from the Scripture. You can go find them yourself. I'll give you some clues. Read the prophets. Read all the last day's prophets regarding the last days. The Lord put the instructions. I mean, he didn't hide them. This is not like some super secret thing that I found in the book of Joel. I just read the Bible. 
And I'm just telling everybody, guys, look, you know, if you don't agree, if you think I'm wrong, then, you know, send Omega Man an email. There's a, there's many people in the chat room, um, Benjamin, even from overseas, who have not heard you give the testimony. You've got about 15 minutes remaining. Uh, they wanted to know, can you give them a glimpse of what you saw in the future? That day when God gave you the vision. I know it was... Uh, yeah, I saw the two loaves that were being put into the furnace. Oh, boy. I saw the furnace. I saw the death. I saw the end for the majority of believers. I saw the martyrdom of the church. It broke me. I couldn't stop weeping. I couldn't stop shaking. Omega Man, I, I, I trembled for an entire week after the Lord showed me what was going to come on, on the church, on much of the church. And this is to purify them. You know, God isn't doing this because... Um, you know, God never, ever does anything out of being mean. He loves his people. And the Lord is always good. He's always righteous. But we did not understand. When God said this sin thing is death, and that he was going to destroy sin, you know, look at the cross. Look what Father God was willing to do to his own son, who was perfect. Jesus was innocent, but he took our place. Look at what God was willing to do about sin. This sin stuff is really serious, and it's really deadly. And God is going to purge it out of his people. And you either get really serious about fasting and praying and sanctifying your time and seeking the Lord with all of your heart, or you don't get serious. You keep going on like you're going on now, and you let the Lord do it. And I got to see the hand of the Lord doing his strange work. He calls it his strange work because the people can't even believe God would do this. But he's doing it to clean them. But you know what, Omega Man? Hallelujah. The fire, this oven, is so hot that it pierces. It was like a sword piercing my soul to the very core of my being. It hurt so bad, I never dreamed this level of emotional pain could exist on the planet. It pierced the core of my being. Okay? Yes. To the point that it began to feel good. Omega Man, after this sword pierced the very center of my being, it hurt so bad, it started to feel good. Wow. Because I had repented from the core of my being. And I was starting to feel holy. And I could feel the salvation of God permeating me. And even though I knew, I mean, in the flesh, this is horrible. In the spirit, this is hallelujah. And I'll tell you this much. The saints who go this way, 
by the time they're laying their lives down for the Lord, their faces were glowing. I'm serious. They were glowing. They, it was like they could see into heaven. And they were, you know, and, and God, who's so rich in his mercy, here the people won't, you know, the people won't obey God, not from the heart, because they got too much junk buried in the backyard of their heart. And so the Lord has to put them in the furnace. You know, he said, I chose you in the furnace of affliction. He's not kidding. He actually means everything he says. So he puts you in the furnace in order to clean out the junk. That's all. God is so good. Once he's cleaned the people, he pours out the anointing on them. Yes, they're in captivity. Yes, they're going to be martyrs. But he pours out the oil of gladness. He pours out the joy of your salvation. He pours out that anointing, that you know, the peace that passes understanding. And this body of believers that must have gone, they needed to go through the fire in order to be purified and be made ready for the wedding feast. By the time the fire has done its work, they're now these perfectly sanctified vessels under the Lord, their faces are glowing with the Shekinah glory of God's glory. And they pass from this life into the next, and they receive a reward. They receive a crown of glory for having laid their lives down, for having been faithful unto death. And then we who remain, we're caught up with them in the clouds at the last trumpet, and it's yes. on to Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Yes. So, you know, if you are a believer and you and you have been born again, there there's nothing to fear in what the men can do to you. I will tell you the one to fear. You fear the Lord. This is all being done by the Lord in order to purify his people and make them ready for the wedding feast. And you know, the, the thing about the fasting is that fasting will break your heart. It, it'll, it'll tear your heart. It breaks the barriers that keep you from accessing those deep places within. Because, let's face it, we've all been wounded. We've all been hurt. Amen. Yes. And we've all had to develop a hard heart to, to survive in this world. You needed to be a little tough to not let it get you to not let it affect you. But now God's saying, okay, that worked fine for getting this far. But now to go forward in the kingdom, no, I, you've got to become soft again. i got to break your heart. There's stuff in your heart that I want to remove because it's getting in the way. It's defiling the living water that I want to pour out of you because it can't be mixed. We can't have the roots of bitterness and the living water of God's life flowing out of the same vessel. One will choke the other. So we either cleanse the vessel through the work of sanctification, which because of the, the disassociation disorder of a divided mind and the double-mindedness of a divided heart, the most effective strategy for healing the double-minded heart and removing the roots of bitterness 
from the lives of God's people is a gather together in a solemn assembly, in prayer, in fasting, in seeking the Lord, in openly, honestly, brutally confessing your sins one to another to the point that it produces weeping and mourning for your sin. And that's the point of breakthrough, brothers and sisters. That's when you can just pour it all out. You literally lay your life down as an offering on the altar before his temple. Let the fire consume the mind of the flesh. Let it be burned. And let God change the garments that you're wearing. Put off those filthy garments of the flesh. Return to the Lord with all your heart and put on the true robes of righteousness and let the Lord clean you from the inside out. And then you'll be ready to walk with the King. And, you know, once you've submitted your life to the Lord and you've put down the flesh and you've empowered the spirit man, then you'll no longer seek to save your life, which the Lord told you to throw. Don't even try anyway but rather lose your life for his sake, and then you will be able to save it. You know, it's, it's all kind of linked together, Omega Man. That's the answer, God, isn't it? just follow the Lord. It's give it yeah, all it to is Jesus. Altogether. Sacrifice I mean, ourselves you know, for him. We have to sacrifice ourselves, but you know what? We're only sacrificing the flesh part. We yes. are sacrificing the spirit man. He gets to be resurrected in the power and the life of Jesus Christ. Well, what do, uh, we've got two questions that are coming in. What does a person do uh, once they have fasted, they've participated in a solemn assembly, they've repented, and they're willing to lay their lives down for Christ, if He, whatever He requires them to do? What can they do with the remaining time that they have um, before the return Follow of the Lord? The Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Let the Spirit lead you. And pray for your brothers and sisters. Pray for people that are struggling. You know, and dear body of believers, please remember me in your prayers, because I'm walking point with this word, yes. and I'm lighting fires in the hearts of God's people, and the kingdom of darkness does not like this. And I am catching it, brothers, sisters, please remember me in your prayers. Remember Omega Man in your prayers. We're kind of the guys walking point. And I'm happy to take the flack, but we need the prayer support. We need our brothers and our sisters backing us up. And we are praying for you, and we all need to be in prayer. Jesus said in this time, pray without ceasing that you be counted worthy to stand before the Son of Man and to escape all these things. And if you study the Greek carefully, he meant to stand as the representative of Jesus Christ. There you go to be the ambassador for the kingdom of God to planet Earth. That's what you're to pray without ceasing for. So hallelujah. May wow. God, thank you for letting me come well, on. Praise God. That was, you, uh, you answered the question. I didn't ask. Uh, praise God. That, that was the next question. Uh, God bless you so that? much for coming on this program. We're going to circulate this worldwide. I mean, what an awesome program. I, I think, folks, this is the most anointed program we have done in the 165 shows. Uh, this was a divine appointment tonight, and, uh, you know, I will sum it up like this. Folks, our mission is to pluck the loaves out of the fire, to preach the message to our brothers and sisters, because uh, persecution is coming, 
people are going to fall away, and we need to wake them up and call people to repentance, a psalm assembly, fasting, and uh, so we can hear the the word of the Lord clearly. Uh, would you close in prayer, Benjamin? And also, uh, before you go, give out your contact information. There's many people uh, that want to contact you right now, would like to uh, well, speak you know, with you uh, to get your book. Um, how can the, they make well, contact the, with you? Well, the book is actually, you can get it on Amazon.com. Okay. And it's The Day of the Lord is at Hand, and um, it's a it, it comes up as uh, the first one on uh, brand new, um, and there there are still a few copies left. Okay. Um, how to contact me, brother? I, you know, I don't really have a contact thing working. My website, BenjaminBrook.com, is still functional. I think the Day of the Lord is at Hand.com is no longer even up and running. Um, I don't really have a webmaster anymore helping me. And Folks, I should... contact me, and I'll get a message through to, to Benjamin. Yeah, that's the best way. That Absolutely. And yeah, I'd love to close in prayer. Go ahead, brother. Father God, we thank you for the living manna that comes down out of heaven. Father, we thank you that we do not live by the bread of this world, but by every word that comes out of your mouth. And Lord, we receive your word. We say yes and amen to your word. And Lord, we pray that you would open a door for us to fulfill your commandments to your remnant in this hour that we would gather together, declaring a fast, proclaiming a solemn assembly, and that we would come and we would confess our sins one to another, Lord, that we could be delivered out of the clutches of Satan, that we could be delivered completely out of the kingdom of darkness, that we could be translated fully into the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, that we could become vessels used for your glory, so, Lord, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear, hearts to obey. Lord, touch our hearts and lead each of us into a time of sanctification, fasting, repentance, and, and the opportunity to gather in a solemn assembly, Lord, that we might make ready. We'd make our hearts and, and prepare our homes for your judgment and for your visitation. And, Lord... Lead us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, Benjamin. Hey, thank you, Brother Omega Man. It was a blessing to be here with you today. Thank you for letting me share. I tell you, I weeped. Uh, many people were weeping out there, so the anointing of the Lord was here tonight. We really uh, are honored uh, by this word tonight, and uh, thank you so much for coming on and being well to, willing to preach the truth tonight. Well, you know, it's awesome because I'm the least of the saints, you know. The Lord chooses the the most foolish of vessels, you know. Some people that have heard me preach think I'm something special. I'm not anything special. But I just am so honored to be able to speak the Word of God in this hour. And I, really, I just beg our listeners, you know, remember me in your prayers. I really need your covering, church. God bless every one of you. The Lord be with you. Maranatha, behold, he comes. It was Benjamin Brew. God bless you, Ben. Folks, this was a live program. Um, what a program this was. I give the Lord, God, and Jesus Christ the praise, the honor, and the glory for bringing this message to us um, tonight. Man, I'll tell you, it had me weeping. 
I know the Lord was doing a work on my heart as he was on many of yours. He has been good to us, and, you know, he does love us enough that um, he doesn't want us to go into the uh, the fiery furnace as uh, loaf bread, come out like toast. But uh, persecution is coming on this uh, country. It's coming on the world. And uh, I don't think it could have been articulated any better than um, what Benjamin shared tonight, that uh, the real escape plan is uh, in Jesus Christ. It is getting together, repenting, fasting, calling this solemn assembly. You know, that's something that I never heard of growing up in the church. I know many of you probably uh, the same thing would testify to that. Uh, yet it's um, it's crucial. It starts with the repenting because we can't get into heaven with sin. Um, that's why the the persecution comes because if we're not willing to judge ourselves and willingly repent, you know God loves us enough that He'll put us through the furnace of affliction, and as the heat gets turned up, uh, it motivates us. You know, many of us uh, will not make a change unless uh, the situation becomes painful for us. You know, pain is a uh, pretty powerful motivator. And when the persecution comes, you really will only have two choices. You can uh, break um, and fall away, or you can um, repent and surrender all to Jesus Christ. You know, to admit that we've missed it. We've all missed it. But, you know, the, the cool part is is um, there's still an opportunity to repent, to receive forgiveness. And that's what will happen. Um, persecution's coming. Uh, there will be many that uh, will find themselves in a camp. Uh, there's others that uh, will be beheaded. You know, there's others that will fall away by choice. Uh, they won't um, hear the message that is being preached tonight. You know, they had no root when the affliction came. You know, only God knows uh, our end, but um, the only way out of this situation is uh, to repent and be willing to give all to Christ, surrender. And if you've made your peace with that, that no matter what comes your way, that um, when you step out of this body, be asked from the bodies be present before the Lord, that, uh, you know, no matter what they do to this body, you know, it's just a, a blink of the eye and you're with the Lord. Then really nothing can hurt you. Because, um, again, if you're ready to lay down your life, what else can they take? They can't do anything else to you. And, in fact, that's what scares the enemy the most is people that uh, say, you know what, my life um, is of no value or no importance. It's only what I've done down here for Christ that matters. And I'm not going to let fear cause me to be paralyzed and frozen, because that's what fear works to do. It will work to freeze you and paralyze you to where you sit on the sideline, you run for a, a cover in a cave. You want to flee flee the battle. You know, the enemy's coming, you see it, and you run the other direction. Well, who's left to fight if we all do that? 
because there's going to be great victories won here. I mean, Satan's already lost. His time will be short. And the victories that can be made are we can see others um, saved and plucked out from eternal damnation. That's what it's about. It's about willing to give your life for another. You know, there's no greater love than a man that will lay down his life for a friend. That's what the Word says, right? So if you're willing to sacrifice yourself for Christ, others will come into the kingdom. And um, we could have a pretty good run of it. You know, it says my people will do exploits. I believe that there's a lot of work that can be done before we may have to lay down our life. And yes, it does say some will endure till the end, uh, till the last trump. I don't know that I would want to uh, go through all that's coming. You know, you're going to see lots of loss of life, loved ones will be gone. I don't know that I would want to be through the whole tribulation period there, but you know, that's up to God. We just got to be occupying till He comes, and once we've got ourselves straight, then uh, we can really do some damage to the enemy. Because then you can be fearless for Jesus Christ. All you got to do is fear the Lord, and if you're about His business and you're all right with Him, that's all that matters. Okay, then you can really see clearly. There'll be no more mental fog. It doesn't matter what distractions the enemy throws in your path or what you know fiery darts he fires at you. They just bounce right off. You're not going to be affected by them because you've got one purpose and one vision, and that is seeing souls saved. You know, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, there'll never be another one that wise ever again. And that was the thing he asked for. When God gave him the choice, he says, I'll give you anything you want. What do you want? He said, I want wisdom. He didn't ask for money, you know, fame, power. He got all that uh, afterwards, but it was what he asked for, wisdom. And he said, all was vanity. He was talking about the things that were unwise, that we all pursue, that are just fleeting. Here for just a moment. And then, you know, it's over with. Uh, how many people have died this week? Uh, in the news, you know, we had Madoff's son. He took his life. There was another um, diplomat. He died early. Then someone, uh, you know, shared the story of Anton LaVey on his deathbed. He caught a glimpse of hell, and he says, you know, what have I done? Uh, something's wrong here. As he saw the flames, he thought he was going to promotion. Heard that story shared. I mean, all these people, they realize that uh, when it was all said and done, well, at least he did. I don't know what the others did, but, you know, they're not taking anything with them. It's all fleeting down here. Everything is vanity except for one thing. It says that he that wins souls is wise. If you want to know what's a wise thing to do, it's winning souls. It's seeing the captives free, set free of wicked spirits. Why do we do spiritual warfare? So people can be back in the right mind again. So they can actually be rehabilitated and put up on the front line and go into the battle where they've maybe been laying on a, uh, a stretcher all their lives, on the sidelines. 
I think it's pretty awesome to be able to serve the Lord and even give our lives. That's pretty awesome, you know, and there's a reward for that. When it's all said and done and we've all gotten through whatever we're going to go through, at the end of the day, it's only what you've done down here for Christ that's going to matter. What did what were we willing to sacrifice for him? That's how you gain in eternity. I mean, this is just a, a vapor, you know, a flash in the pan, so to speak. And then we've got eternity. That's never going to end. It's only what we have done down here which is going to last for eternity. To get into heaven is um, our goal, but that's not where the reward comes from. The reward is based on what did we do with what God entrusted us to with down here. We can all do something. We can pass out a, a Bible tract. We can have a Bible study with someone. Share the gospel. That's how you win souls. You know, there's a number of things we can do for the Lord. And, uh, you know, he, he'll have us each, you know, do something different sometimes. You know, the, it starts with saying, God, I hey, I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. Open the right doors, shut the wrong doors. What can I do for you today? That's where wisdom is. And so um, the goal is to sustain as long as you can and make the most of the time that you have remaining down here. And there's still some time. Again, it says my people do exploits. There's going to be opportunities to uh, witness, evangelize, use the keys to the kingdom that Jesus gave you to see people set free. No one else will even know what's going on. You'll have the discernment. That person's been attacked by a foul spirit, and you'll cast it out in Jesus' name. Others are going to lay hands on people, and they're going to be healed. And from those miracles, people are going to see the power of God and come to Christ. There's all types of opportunities that are going to be opening up. People will be translated just like Philip down the road. I even heard David L's uh, Nine Eleven Bread Ministries, God bless him, talk about they'll be going out two by two, even into the concentration camps. Plucking people out. Uh, if you want to know uh, more about the uh, story of the day of the Lord is at hand, you can get the book. It's up on uh, Amazon. Um, if you cannot um, locate a copy, get a hold of me, and uh, Benjamin may have a PDF copy of it. I, I know he went, had several uh, versions over the years. This was, you know, this book came out about ten years ago. Um, he was literally set in down into the future. He was given the you know, the, the full experience of what was coming. And it was so terrifying that, uh, you know, he basically had a nervous breakdown. As I would or you would or anybody else who actually saw what is coming. It's so horrible. I mean, that's really what God was uh, gave me a word of. He was trying to prepare me that I would not faint. There's going to be people fainting when they see what's coming. But we don't have to faint if we're prepared to endure. We know it's coming. And we know the reward that is awaiting if we'll just be we'll be faithful. And again, God needs uh, things done in these last days. That's why I say it's not a matter of, um, okay, this is the end of the story. We're all going to die tomorrow. No, not at all. You can walk through the fire without burning. You can have a nuclear 
detonation in your city, and you can walk out. I mean, you know, there can be a thousand falling in your left hand and ten thousand in your right, but nothing will come nigh into you. If you're working for the Lord and you're on a mission from God, which we've all been called to be ambassadors for Christ, and we're diligently seeking Him to do what He would have us to do while we still have breath remaining in our body, He can sustain us. As I mentioned over in Psalms 33, I believe I read last night, it talks about He will sustain His people through the famine. So um, we don't have to worry. Do we make uh, preparations? Uh, seek the Lord and what you should do. I think there are some prudent things we can all do. That's just using our brains. And uh, the fact that you will seek the Lord and, and do what he leads you to do, that's actually exer- uh, exercising faith right there. What's a lack of faith? Say, you know what? I'm not going to do anything. and Use that cop out. Lord will just bring down manna. Yes, he can bring down manna, and he will, when our supplies run out. Because you can't prepare for every contingency, what's coming. But really, it's it's lack of faith uh, that there's anything coming or that we'll be persecuted that causes people to, you know, use that cop out. Well, I'm not going to do anything. Because they really, um, you know, don't believe <laughs> they're going to see that day. But, but, folks, I'm here to tell you it's coming. It's going to come to the whole world. But we don't have to be paralyzed, as I was paralyzed for many years. We can actually make a difference. That's the key here. Boils down to, we've all got limited time. Even if uh, Jesus didn't come for another 70 years. But what are you going to do with the the amount of time uh, that God has given you here on this earth? Amen? Give it all to Jesus. That's the only thing that's going to last. It's not going to be what we build down here in the flesh. You know, I, I built a mega, mega business. I'm building a new home right now. Folks, all that's going to burn. The day of the Lord is uh, soon at hand. All that burns. It's only what we have sent up to heaven that's going to last. Souls. Good works down here. You know, did you did you feed the hungry? Did you bless the widows? Did you uh did you stand in the gap for the orphans? Did you bless Israel? That's our brethren over there. Genesis twelve three. That's what we've been called to do. Visit the infirmed. When was the last time you went to uh, a jail? Or maybe sent some Bibles to the people in prison? I spent 23 days in a jail cell one time. (laughs) Just for being stupid. I pissed off a federal judge and didn't show up for a... uh, a divorce custody battle I was fighting. He got mad, threw me in the locker for 23 days. Praise God I didn't have a record when I came out, but, uh, yeah, I got a taste of the orange jumpsuit. I will tell you, it wasn't pretty. And I'll tell you, uh, it was a uh, it was an eye-opening experience, and I got in there, and there was no, no Bible. 
I can tell you, there's they need the word of God in those prisons. Literally, they're where the people are being held captive right now. God also spoke to me there. He gave me a word in Job. He says, Yea, I will go before thee and be thy defense, and you shall have plenty of silver. I saw both of those things occur. It was just, I've got a miraculous story. And it was funny because uh, 23 days later, uh, I, I got an email from Benjamin Brooke, and he sent me that same word that the Lord had given me. When I was down on my knees praying, and I said, God, am I going to be in here like Joseph, put in prison by Potiphar? Thank, thank God it was only 23 days. <laughs> but God gave me a massive word, and it changed my life, and literally it changed my life. And uh, the point I'm trying to make here is there's a lot of things that we can do. We've just got to be willing. Or we can just say, you know, God, please excuse me. I want to go and do my own thing. That's where many, many of the people are out there right now. Or, you know, God, I'll only do it if, as long as it uh, you know, won't hurt, or I won't have to give up anything, or you know, I can keep my current lifestyle. Or if what I do, I'm going to get back uh, financially. Uh, folks, he, Jesus gave all for you and I. How much more should we, we be willing to give everything for him? I mean, he saved us from hell. There are people dying every minute somewhere in the world. They think it's over with. It'll just be numbness. And they wake up uh, in hell, in the bowels of the earth, in the flames, torment, day and night. And, you know, there's no time over there. I mean, it's just, uh, it never stops. It's eternity. It's outside of space and time, so to speak. It never ends. We certainly don't want to be there. And that's where we would all be. If God was a merciful force, so what's he do? He turns up the heat of affliction. And um, hopefully we don't have to wait until uh, we're sitting in the camp to say, you know what, I, I'm going to surrender my life to Christ because then there's not any time left to do anything. Yes, I believe people will repent and come to Christ and to be saved you know, with the smell of smoke on them. But um, there'll be people going in with no reward because they didn't do anything for Christ. They were busy doing their own thing. It's not about how much money you give. It's about what did you do with what God gave you, your talents, your time, your skills. Yes, and some people are blessed financially. What did you do with it? Did you give it away to the widows, the poor, the orphan, those in disaster? Bless Israel. Support the ministry. Look, everything's fixing to uh, collapse, my friends. It's collapsing around us. So time is of the essence for us to decide what are we going to do with the remainder of our life. So that's kind of the message for tonight. I think that, uh, wow, this message from Benjamin tonight, the Lord gave him was right on time for many of us. And uh, I would trust that uh, you would send this email out to everybody you know. Include a link to tonight's show. It'll be up in the archives in about 15 minutes. Uh, you can also access all of the archives by going to 
www.blogtalkradio.com backward slash Omega Man Radio backward slash RSS. Or you can just go to MegamanRadio.com, look for the player, the audio player, click on the little RSS button, it'll take you to that direct link I just gave you. And you can um, access all the shows, MP3 or I believe you've got a WAV file option, and um, download them, distribute them, find the ones you like that minister to you, send them out to everybody you know. We do a program here nightly, Monday through Sunday, for those that uh, are tuning in to us for the first time tonight. A little bit early show tonight. Um, that was the only time I could get Benjamin in. And I, I thank God that he came on tonight and gave us uh, two hours. But uh, normally we'll be on 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, special note will be our weekend shows. Awesome time in the Lord. We have School of Deliverance Saturday night at 8 p.m. with Dr. Pat Holiday of MiracleInternetChurch.com. PatHoliday.com. And we also get together on Sunday, and we we get together and we pray. And we're going to try to get a uh, communion going uh, this Sunday night. That's the plan. But uh, we've got uh, several new guests scheduled. I'm starting to get them uh, booked for next week. We're going to have Pastor David Lankford on. He'll be coming on um, Tuesday. I'm going to have William Schnollenbellum of Lucifer Dethroned, came out of the occult. He'll be giving his testimony. I'll have him on next week. We've got several other special guests that are confirming, and we're getting them booked for the programs. Of course, uh, this week, uh, today's Tuesday, that means tomorrow, Wednesday, we're going to have Pastor James Mobley on. Many of you asked... um, about Pastor James Mobley, powerful anointing. He'll be back on uh, tomorrow. Thursday, I'm going to have Pastor John Kyle. Friday, we're going to have Pastor John Franklin from Canada. And then School of Deliverance with Dr. Pat Holiday Saturday night and our um, time of intercession and warfare prayer on Sunday night. Also, I want to give shouts out to uh, Rich Keltner, Watchman Radio. Check out MassDeliverance.net. Richard Keltner, Watchman Radio is going to be doing a special program on January 1st. In fact, uh, I'll be doing the program with him. We've got Steve Quell and Pastor David Lankford that will be doing the program January 1, 2011. Uh, we were on the phone yesterday with Pastor Lankford. I looked at the uh, dashboard in my uh, truck I was driving, and it said 11, 11 a.m. I said, whoa, well, of course, last night, Steve Quell, I looked at the clock, it was 11, 11 p.m., And uh, again today, I looked at my clock at 11, 11 a.m. I've been speaking in numbers. You know, we got the 444, the Isaiah 44-4 tonight just prior to the show. God speaks in numbers. Rob Skiba has a really powerful insight on that. Uh, if you haven't, you have not heard of Rob Skiba, check out the show we did a few weeks ago. God, God's also been giving him information. Well, um, that's what we're going to do. So I want to thank Rich Keltner. He spent uh, many hours over this past week helping me to uh, upgrade the stream. Now, we're only a few days away from going to a hi-fi stereo. It'll be a 96K stream. We actually test started testing it last night. I'm lacking maybe one cable and a, uh, 
another little piece of hardware to eliminate some hum. And uh, that'll be in this week. We're going to be offering a hi-fi stereo stream. Now, what you're listening in right now is 8-bit. That's telephone quality. We're going to go to 96K. It's going to be digital quality. We'll be able to take up to 1,000 listeners simultaneously pulling down that feed. You can get it anywhere in the world. We'll, of course, continue to use the blog talk uh, format as well, so you can continue to use this current stream. But you'll have that option. Uh, that will make for a really cool-sounding program. So I want to thank Rich for uh, spending the time with me to get me up to speed. It's taken a lot of work, I will tell you, uh, to get all these wires together and do the testing. So God bless him. Keep him in prayer. Shouts out to Zoe. Uh, I was talking with Zoe this week. He's going to hook us up with a couple new ministers that we're going to be bringing on very soon. Looking forward to having Reverend Cletus on. And um, if there's somebody you'd like to have on the program, send me a, um, an email, shannon at omegamanradio.com. I'm slow getting back to them, folks. I'm just one man, so bear with me. But uh, I will respond to you, and uh, we'll try to get them on. We've got um, fillers out right now to Bill Weiss to share his testimony. If anybody has a contact number for him, let me know. Uh, no response yet when I emailed him. But uh, they probably get a lot of emails, so I'm trying to get a contact number for him. But uh, that's just some of the things that are in the works here. Where do we want to go? Well, we want to take this message, the full gospel message, evangelism, deliverance from demons, miracle healing, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit worldwide. We want to go um, on to larger platforms. I praise God for what he's given us. I believe this is uh, a testing ground. I believe other doors are going to open. If you'd like to partner with us, get in contact with me. We need your prayer, as Benjamin mentioned. We need prayer uh, every day. Keep us on your prayer list, please, when you pray. And um, if God puts it on your heart to support the ministry, well, we say God bless you. It'll go to a good cause. And uh, every soul that is saved or a person that is delivered through these programs, uh, you will share in the harvest with us. One plants a seed and other waters. They both share in the harvest. We're just all workers for Christ. So let's work while we still have some time. God bless you, and I'll see you all tomorrow night. Omega Man Radio, omegamanradio.com, or over here at blogtalkradio.com slash omegamanradio. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Omega Man Radio. Our mission is to operate in the threefold ministry of Jesus Christ and take evangelism, deliverance from demons, and miracle healing to the world. If you would like to partner with us, you can support this work by donating any amount online at omegamanradio.com. Join us in an all-out attack against the hosts of hell. It's time to deliver a death blow to the enemy and take back territory for Jesus. Tell a friend and support Omega Man Radio. Radio.